sonrisa que ha pasado por su casa, que ha venido porque quiere ser feliz. Canta corazón, que el amor de mi... Good afternoon. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana, on a weird weather day. Uh, we've been uh, bombarded with tornado warnings for about the last hour and a half, and there's been two or three that touched down, so it's not been a good weather day here in Indiana. It's very hot and humid. It's August 23rd or 24th, uh, and uh, it's usually hot, but not this hot, and the humidity's been really bad. Uh, welcome to the show uh, for all you listeners, and we would like to start off by thanking Radio UCCS, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs Online Radio Station, uh, Kyle Boyle, the station manager, and also the the students and the faculty uh, at uh, University of Colorado and Colorado Springs who support our show and many shows that are on the station, and uh, we again thank them very much. We also want to thank Marge Mystery, who no longer is with us, uh, who started a lot of uh, Radio UCCS online radio, and we miss her very, very much. And today uh, we have, um, we're in the beginning of the school year, right, for all you teachers out there. Now this is world languages, so we kind of do most of the things in English, and we'll throw a few Spanish things in here and there, but by and large we do the program in English because we have listeners in all the different languages. And today we have a beginning teacher, right? A classroom teacher who's just starting out and uh, who's actually been teaching, I think, two or three weeks already. And that is Connor McNeely. And he's one of our bright young teachers in Indiana, a Spanish teacher, one of the most probably dynamic one in the state right now. And uh, uh, we're very excited that he's gonna be on the show and it's going to be fun for you to hear some perspectives from someone who just started teaching about what um, what's going on in the classroom. So, no better person to tell us about than Connor. Connor, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, Connor, can you tell us a little about where you're from and about your family and if anybody in your family was ever a teacher? I'm from Shelbyville, Indiana, so southeast of Indianapolis, about 30 minutes. Um, no one in my family has ever been a teacher. I'm a first-generation college student, so I'm the first one to go on this career track. So I'm excited. I'm the first one. My whole family is going on this journey with me. So it's been a good one so far. So um, why, why did you get interested in being a Spanish teacher? You could have been a math teacher, a science teacher. Why did you pick Spanish? <laughs> Well, I wanted to be a teacher since the first day of first grade. That was always the goal. And then I got to high school and I decided I wanted to teach English. And that's not Spanish, but I went all through high school taking Spanish classes and I started freshman year. And senior year, I was making those decisions. Where do I want to go to school? What do I want to major in? And I planned on English education all the way. And then I realized I would have to give up Spanish. And... I remember we went to a Justo Lamas concert the day before I went to registration at Franklin College. And when we were at that concert, I thought I had to do this the rest of my life. And so I went to Franklin College the next day and I happened to meet with um, one of my future professors, Kate Johnston, at the time. She helped me make my schedule that day. And she said, what are you doing? 
putting down English as your, ma as your major, you love Spanish. So the day before I decided I wanted to do Spanish, and then I met Kate Johnston, who happened to be a Spanish professor. So I always say it was a plan from above that made me be a Spanish teacher, and I love it. I love Spanish. I love teaching. It's great. Well, you got to see Justo Lamas, too. He's one of the all-time uh, great entertainers for uh, Spanish students, and I saw him many times. I took my students uh, to see him uh, uh, back when I was uh, teaching full-time, and then uh, and I met him several times at uh, uh, foreign language conferences and got to talk to him kind of personally and uh, private, and just a wonderful person, and uh, it influenced a huge amount of students uh, over his career. At, you know, when, when he was uh, traveling extensively time all over the United States. Um, so this, this interest in Spanish, is it more language-oriented or is it more about culture with you? Like, which one do you like the best? I like them. I would say the culture intrigues me most. Um, I went, I'm not sure, my high school Spanish teacher, one of them, stuck abroad in Spain, lived in Spain, and he would always bring in artifacts to the classroom. Now, who, who was that? Jacob Shively. His name is Jacob Shively. Okay, okay. And he would talk, he lived in Sevilla, so he would always talk about Sevilla, what he would do there, and he'd bring everything in. And I just fell in love with it. Now, have you been to Sevilla yet? I've never been to Spain. Oh, you got to go to Spain. Oh, boy. I always call it the Madrid, the Centro del Universo. Um, <laughs> So, uh, oh yes, you'll love Spain. So you, you got to put that on your travel plans, you know. I mean, it's someplace you want to go to, you know, and early in your career, even better, you know. And uh, uh, it's just a wonderful place to visit and full of culture and language and uh, a dynamic country, just as dynamic as can be. What about Mexico? Do you like Mexico a lot? I love the culture of Mexico. I have a lot of friends from Mexico who currently live in Mexico. I, I've never been to Mexico. Costa Rica is the only place I've been so far, but my plan is to travel the world. So, well, you get, you're plenty young now, so you can <laughs> take your time. You've got yeah. plenty of time. Uh, that's awesome. So, uh, what about what about Costa Rica? Why do you like Costa Rica? Because I, I follow you a little bit on Facebook, and uh, I always enjoy your post about Costa Rica. Um, and what, what is it? Pura Vida? Or Pura Vida. Yeah, yeah Pura Vida. Vida. Uh, why do you love Costa Rica? As I can tell you, really. And a lot of people do. And obviously it's because of the naturaleza and how beautiful. But the people are really nice, aren't they? The people there are amazing. They're some of the nicest people I've ever met. I went to Costa Rica for the first time in January 20th as a sophomore at Franklin College. Um, Connie Abel's Rigsby was a professor of education that I had, and she said she was going to host this trip to Costa Rica along with Lourdes Sertado, one of the other professors, and she asked me if I wanted to go. And I had never been abroad. I had never had a passport. So I was like, sure, why not? I need to work on my Spanish, um, you know, practice for the future. So I signed up for that winter term trip. And with the help of my advisor, got all that done and finished. Went to Costa Rica for the first time, and it was terrified, honestly, when I first got off the train because there were people everywhere. But I fell in love with the Pura Vida culture, the, you know, the well, that's, Pura Tica. That's, that's wonderful. That, uh, just to see someone who 
just starting out teaching with all your enthusiasm. And it brings me to a topic uh, which I didn't include on the script, but uh, that I'm, I'm going to mention now, and you probably already know this, but uh, one of the reasons that a lot of people <clears throat> excel in language teaching, and probably the top reason, is a passion that they have for language and teaching, and you certainly have that. Um, and uh, did you just develop that over years, or you pretty much, it sounds like you, from the beginning, you wanted, you had this passion to teach, right? Yeah, I've always wanted to teach when it comes to the language. I'm not really sure how that passion developed. It just kind of happened over time. I would say my biggest inspiration would be Jacob Shively at Shelbyville High School. Um, and then, you know, I, I moved on to Tammy Liddy and the other Spanish teacher there. And the two of them together, they're two very different teachers, but the two of them together instilled this love for Spanish yeah, and the culture. That's, that, that's amazing. And, and as you see that you're talking about your high school teachers, uh, someday people will be doing the same thing about you, your Southport students, and they'll be saying the same thing. Uh, so it's kind of fun. I always thought when I taught high school, which was for quite a while, uh, that um, the fun of it was motivating the kids and, and sharing passion that I have for language, just the same as you do. And uh, uh, and it's, it's a really special thing, I think, for teachers. And I think that's... Uh, we can't take that for granted. Uh, uh, some people, I, not everybody, but there are some teachers that don't have the passion, and I wish they did, and things. But uh, the people who have passion in teaching are the great teachers. And, and it's the same way probably in any profession, even in medicine, doctors, and lawyers, and nurses, and, and the law profession, and nurses, and medicine. Uh, but they all have that passion uh, for things. Um what about uh, Franklin College? Now, you spent some time there. I know you know uh, my son, right, Dan? Uh, yeah. And did, yeah. did you take any classes with him or not? You did. Um, Dan was my advisor, and I had a few classes with him. He taught my methods course and a, a literature course that I took, as well a couple other courses, I believe. He also advised the modern language class where I lived, and he supervised me for student teaching. So we spent a lot of time together at Franklin College. Wow. Uh, did you observe any passion there for his his love of teaching or not? Dan, it's the most enthusiastic, dynamic, yeah. passionate educator I think I've ever met. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? He just yeah. uh, uh, he was actually that way in in the classroom, <clears throat> and I had him uh, for uh, three years in high school uh, when I was teaching. He was in my class for three years, and he, he was into, he had a passion for language and Spanish. And I don't know if it was just he was born that way, <clears throat> but he would do the same thing in class. And he just would get into the dialogues and the skits and all the crazy things. We used to do some funny, crazy, silly things. But they weren't silly, but to get to the students speaking the language. And uh, he just had that... Uh, natural passion too just like you have and uh, yeah um well they have a pretty good department there i think right i mean they pretty have some really good folks down there in their language program and teachers and uh, um the uh i don't know uh i'm trying to think of how many uh language majors they have there i, I know they have a few you know the few Mm -hmm. They come through and they do pretty well getting some majors too. So, 
Um, what about world languages um, in Spanish? Why would what would you tell the listeners about uh, why? What if they what if they're not language teachers and they want to study language? Uh, what would you suggest to those people? And uh, what other languages would you like to learn, or what would want people to learn? Um, I would. I encourage everyone to study a language because of the world we live in today. The world is getting smaller and smaller, and eventually it's just going to be this village that we're living in. Um, as a teacher, I always say I teach students to live in a big world, even if they come from a small town. Because this is a big world, but it's getting smaller and smaller each day, as you can see. The world is at our fingertips, especially for students. And so for people that are not teachers, to be able to communicate with the people we work with on a daily basis now, it's almost a requirement to know another language. So that's why I would encourage others to learn another language. Um, once a, you, you've been stu you student taught, uh, now you're teaching, you have your own classroom, and um, but you, I'm sure you observe people and, and you've been, been in other schools and observed and things. Uh, what's the good part about teaching? What do you see that's really good with our young teachers right now? As in, like, what do I like about the job? Or you, you, and anybody else that you know that you've observed, who's beginning teachers or young teachers, what is it uh, that you think is a really good, good uh, techniques and uh, teaching that these teachers are using? Tying technology into everything we do, mm -hmm. I think, is what we're doing really being really good at right now, especially at my school. Mm -hmm. But we're current. Now, the, um, the, the technology now, how does that get used? I mean, that you're obviously excited about it. What is it that, that you like about it that really you think is really, really, really good? Because there are some incredible things about technology that don't, uh, and it doesn't stop, you know. It just, <laughs> uh, you, day after day, and you think you... One thinks that they know a little bit about it, and then the next day there's 10 more inventions out mm -hmm. there. Uh, and uh, I think that's the challenge for teachers today, yeah, not just young teachers, mm -hmm. older teachers, middle-aged teachers. But I think that, uh, and I, I don't know if you share the same idea, but I think the challenge is, is to be able to stay up with the technology at least enough that you're, you're relevant, right? And with the students, and uh, because they're Tim leaps ahead of us in many cases. And uh, so, uh, do, do you agree with that kind of, or do you think that's an exaggeration? I agree with that. I would say mostly right now, students, as well as adults, have this obsession with social media. We all love social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. So one thing I always try to do is tie Twitter or Instagram into the classroom. Mm -hmm. So we have a class hashtag. So I teach the first two levels of Spanish right now at Southport. We have levels one through six. I do Spanish one and two. So I have a Spanish one hashtag and a Spanish two hashtag. And I haven't implemented it too much yet because we're still in the beginning. Well, good for you. That's a, that's any the, the relevancy of Twitter and and all the social media, Instagram. Now, while, a while back, now this is how things are changing and trend, trending. 
a year or two ago, people were saying, well, this, the students don't use Facebook as much. But you know, now that I read a couple of articles the other day, one of them was, I think, the New York Times, and it said now the kids are coming back to Facebook again, too. You know, that there's still some heavy interest there. So you just don't know which way things are going to end up, you know, which are, are you know, where, where we're going to end up with some of this. But, uh, but it just, uh, it, it's, it is astounding what you can do. And uh, how about YouTube? Do you use that very much? I would say I use YouTube probably four out of five days of the week. Yeah, it's awesome. And I mean, it's just, it, it, it's like a, a virtual library of audio or visual library of, mm-hmm. of uh, video uh, that, that has no end to it. You know, that uh, um, probably I think one of the most useful tools are, that there is is YouTube. You know, you can do culture, you can do anything in an instant, right? Grammar, you can pull up grammar presentations. Uh, so it, it's really become a monstrous uh, thing, I think, for the classroom. Uh, are you into flipping into the classroom any? Um, I've thought about it. Um, I haven't tried it out yet with my students. I'm not sure how well it would work with my freshmen right uh, now. Oh, you would, they would love it, I think. Yeah. I'm going to give it a try. I'm still, you know... It, Get used to things. Did you get? Did you happen to get the book that, that I did on that that one, flipping the Spanish classroom? I don't have that one yet. Uh huh. No. Well, I'll, I'll see if I can find the copy and keep it for you for the conference. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's an excellent book on flipping the classroom and uh, the Spanish classroom. And we have another one coming out in two weeks called Flipping the French Classroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, it really is detailed and, and fun. And it makes it easy for the teacher to use, you know, with the kids. Mm-hmm. So it, it's in answer to the freshmen, they love it. We have a lot of level one materials in there uh, mm-hmm. and, and really, really researched out good the book. So it's really interesting. Um, what, what about the um, good, really good world language teacher? What qualities make a really good language teacher? I would say... Someone that's not afraid to step out of the box outside of their comfort zone and do whatever it takes to make the student feel comfortable in that classroom. Because in a foreign language classroom, we're all learning something new every day, and students aren't always comfortable because it's brand new. They don't want to make a mistake. So we'll think to step outside of our comfort zone, and I like to say make a fool of ourselves, then students will be willing to do the same thing. So and that's something I do every day that I learn from the best. And not be afraid to make mistakes, right? The kids. Mm-hmm. And knowing they have to make mistakes, right? To get better, you know, to speak better. Um, yeah, that's, that's really good advice. Um, what about the um, uh, tra- traveling with students? Now, you had mentioned Costa Rica. And, um, why would, should students visit another country? Because years ago, I was kind of a proponent. This goes way back to the 90s, maybe the mid-90s. And I actually was trying politically here at Hither and Yon to try to see if any politicians would okay uh, uh, try to help move the cause of having students spend two weeks in the summer in a foreign country, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like it would have been a requirement perhaps for high school students to spend two summers out of their four summers to spend two summers in another country. And Mm -hmm. I didn't get very far with it. And uh, 
although the idea was good, I thought, and, and a lot of people did, but uh, it is it is something, I think, don't you think, that we need to think about to, to have more push and more clout that uh, students need to get into this global world that we're in, you know, and not uh, be afraid to travel. And, and even their parents that encourage them to go and things. But I don't know how we can do it, uh, you know, to make it more where, where it reaches more students. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think what happens in the classroom is that this, and there are wonderful, wonderful teachers all across the country that take their kids on trips and and spend hours of their own time and things, and have been doing it for years. I have many colleagues that do that, but and uh, and I did it as well years ago. So uh, and still do. But um, what what do you think would make it better so that we could get more students involved in this, where it wouldn't always have to be. You know, there's teachers that I'm going to have a day where they'll plan a trip. I'm going to have a trip to Mexico. I'm going to go to Costa Rica. And they end up with three people, you know, or four people or five people and six. And they have to struggle. They have to promote the program. And the, But it seems to me like it should be a lot easier than that. And I, I worry about our, our country sometimes, educationally, that it should be that difficult, you know, that we that we have to really, really promo this uh, when it could be, and, and a lot of times it isn't that the kids don't want to go, they're motivated, but it may be that uh, there's no money available, families don't have any money, et cetera, et cetera. But is there a way you think that there could be something done someday about that? I think, and this way it's a little political, I guess, but like Christine Powell, my department head, and I are going to Costa Rica this summer. One of those trips, you know, she's planned and I'm helping chaperone. And, you know, we're, we're getting people, we're having after school meetings, taking tons of time outside of the school day. Right now we have seven students signed up, but I'm having tons of other students saying, oh, I'd really like to go, but I don't have the $2,700. So I think if in the future, um, if at the, at the legislature level, they have no issue dishing out money for all these other programs, I think it would be okay for them to, you know, give some money out through some foreign language for some foreign language programs, including study abroad, exploring in another country. Yes, and and having money available for teachers yes. as well. Now, in uh, the programs that uh, that I do in the summer for teachers, uh, we now have three. We have we have Havana, Cuba. We have Madrid and in Guadalajara, Mexico. And, and sometimes we do, it's easy. It, it seems like, well, we'll get lucky and it's easy. But there are other times we have teachers that want to go and they don't have the money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's expensive, you know, to go on the trip. And they don't have the money, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there are some districts, though, that actually pay for the, the teacher's trip. And uh, so you'd be interested in this. And I always tell the teachers, I say, well, go to your superintendent in your district and ask them, uh, you know, or, uh, can you do the trip? Would they be able to help out? And sometimes I think teachers are getting, we get a little nervous about in asking an administrator for money, you know, mm -hmm. to do this. But a lot of them have really great success by going to the people, hire up folks in the administration, and they get approval. They get sometimes get full full pay, you know, they get the, their whole trip paid, et cetera, et cetera. 
But a simple little thing, you know, to communicating again. And like you said, uh, in, in probably the same for students too, you know, would the school help the students, right? I mean, if they wanted to travel, could they give a little scholarship here and there? Or could the community do that? So there's things to think about, yeah. Um, uh, and Christina, you, you're very fortunate to be with Christina. She's one of my all-time favorite uh, students and teachers. And, you know, I had her in class. For, and not only did I have her in middle school, but I had her in high school. Because <laughs> when I went to high school, it's the same year she went to high school. And so she, we kind of kept on the same track. Uh, and one, she's one of the great teachers in the country and has been and, and uh, knows tremendous uh, and tremendous and has tremendous knowledge of Spanish and the culture, et cetera. Um, and uh, so I'm so happy you're able to be with her. You know, she's just a great motivator. Um, now, so what about technology? Let's go back to that for a minute. Um, where are we headed with this technology? Um, do you find you can still communicate orally and have the kids speaking a lot? by doing technology, or do you set a time apart for that? I don't believe in technology just for the sake of using technology. So, you know, we still have our um, conversational practices. We have our dialogues, and I do skits all the time. I love doing skits. I write skits for the students. <laughs> the, the, best, the best thing you can do, right? Yes. I, I believe it's the best thing we can do. But then also we'll have a a communication activity via Twitter, or I'll say, let's text our friend, because they're using their phones. It's a tech-friendly school. Most schools are tech-friendly. Mm -hmm. So we have their phones out, and if they're going to be on it, then I'm going to embrace it and use it in the classroom instead of fight it. You know, instead of fighting the technology, we should embrace the technology, because you have to face it. The technology is here to stay. It's not going to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... um... Back to the skits part, I always felt like the skits, they, they help the students, they get to create language. You know, mm -hmm. it's like they have to produce language and create language. And uh, rather than memorizing or whatever, and it's very spontaneous. And and um, do you do, you do uh, video, video uh, videos of your skits with their phones and stuff? Do you um, it's not in the future, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, um, what's the biggest challenge for world language teachers today that, that are getting into the profession? What do you think the, the toughest challenges in discipline, class management, uh, it, it all evolved. You know, they used to say discipline, but then it became class management. Now I, there's another term, right? What's the new term? I forget what it is. There's another one. I call it classroom management. Yeah, class management, classroom management. It used to be discipline, and prior to that, it was something else. They're, they're, these things all evolve, but it's still the same situation. Mm -hmm. uh, so, how do you deal with that? Because I, I've, a lot of young teachers I talk to, they say that that's really a challenge. You know, the classroom management. Is that true or not? Oh, I would echo that a hundred percent. Classroom management in the first year, in the first three weeks, anyway is definitely a huge challenge because it's new to us. We've never had to do it except for student teaching, but now this is our own classroom. So it is a challenge for me. And I'm, I tell the students, you know, like I change a lot of things. Like I recently, this week I changed how they get their apps at work because it was becoming hectic in the classroom. So I tell them, 
Um, we're learning as we go here. You guys are learning. I'm learning as well. We're all freshmen, right? Because I have a lot of freshmen. It's my first year. A lot of them, it's their first year. So I say, this didn't work out, so let's try this. And I just play it off like, hey, here we go. Pura vida. I pura vida all the time. Well, and that's the, uh, that's a great thing to have. That's, that's the, uh, the flexibility factor. You're flexible. You spin off things. And, and one of the things I always learned early on, but it, but it took me a while. And just what you just said, uh, and, and again, that makes you, I think you're notches above many of the teachers and, and who are beginning, that, that you understand this, that you spin up from one thing and it, everything doesn't work. And you approach it that way, knowing that's going to happen. And that's how teaching is, you know. And that's flexibility because you know that everything isn't going to work, <laughs> right? I mean, there are moments where you say, oh, this is going to go good, and it doesn't. And then the really great teachers spin off. And just like you just said, and you know, you say, okay, let's go try another thing, right? And that's how it is. And it isn't, it's it's an art, it really. It is an art. And uh, there's no way to say, you know, that what uh, Joe Jones next to you or or uh, Jose Rodriguez is teaching one way, and you're teaching another way, and there's no science that, that says, you know, that everything's going to work out the same way. You can try one thing, and Jose Rodriguez tries the same thing, and all the results are going to be different. And that's the fun of it. But it, it is an art, I think. I think that it's, it's a, one of the great professions where you can really be artistic, you know, in, 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 in directing things and in creating things. So... Um, what about um, Southport High School now? Tell me about Southport High School. I know uh, Christina. I also know Pat, Pat O'Connor, whom I've known for a long, long time. And she actually was with us in Cuba, in Havana, for our, our, our first Cuba trip. And we had quite a time. And, uh, and uh, we did get Pat to sing a couple songs when that one afternoon in the, on the patio at the school, you know. And uh, she, she's... She's the walking encyclopedia of everything related to Spanish, you know? She is. Astounding lady. And knows more Spanish probably than anybody in the country, more about the culture and everything else. And uh, you think you you heard everything about things that she she knows, but no, no, she knows. She knows things beyond that knowing, you know, and she's a great resource person, great teacher and everything. So... Uh, you're again. What you're lucky to be around those great people, you know. I mean, what a place to be, right? I'm very lucky, and I say blessed to be at Southport with Christine and Pat. Yes, uh, oh, they're two of the best teachers in the state, probably yeah. the country. They are. Uh, they totally are. Yes, that is exactly right. So you know, you're very, very fortunate. But they're fortunate to have you too. You know, I mean, you're an enthusiastic, passionate first-year Spanish teacher, and there are. Everybody isn't like that, you know, so they, they're, they're fortunate, too. Um, um, so um, tell, tell us a little bit about Southport High School. How many students are there? Um, approximately 2,300. So it's a pretty big school. Yeah, it's bigger than Franklin College, where I went to college at, and bigger than my high school. So mm-hmm. I'm getting used to the big school atmosphere. But it has more community than any other school I've ever been in. Which makes it really fun, right? I mean, that's another fun part. You know, that's a great the, the students, the faculty, staff are all amazing. And my administration team, 
I'm gonna call them the best administration team in the state because they're they are there to support students and teachers. And my principal says every day, take risks. If you fail, that's a good thing. If I walk in your classroom and you failed at doing something, that's not bad. That means you're taking a risk. Now, who, who is the principal? That's awesome advice. Yeah, that's incredible. Who is the principal? Brian Knight. Brian, okay. I, I, I have to tell you, that's one of always one of my favorite things. I and, and do a lot of sessions and things on presentations on risk taking. Mm-hmm. And it, it is super, super important. I'm glad you brought it up. And uh, how wonderful you're able to be there and be able to do that. Uh, because it does get, to, it gives you a chance to spin off, to do things, to go be super creative and not be afraid to do it, right? Uh, because there are other schools where that doesn't happen. You know, there are schools where the risk taking is minimal, if, if, if any. So, uh, you know, we, we, how lucky. That is so wonderful, uh, you know, that you're able to do that. Wow. That is, so what's your favorite thing to do when you risk take? Where do you, do you risk take more when you, when you're doing oral activities or writing or, uh, culture activities? I would say any time I do a skit and I've done a couple so far, um, that's when I've taken my biggest risk so far because you never know how the students are going to perform. You never know how it's going to turn out. I give them, you know, stipulations and guidelines where I want them to go. But for me, the skit is a chance for them to show their creativity and step out of their comfort zone. So I want to see what they can do with the language, what they know so far. So to me, that's taking a risk because at the end, when they go to perform, it could fall flat on its face and my objective might not be met. But I'm willing to take that risk so they can use the language even more than they already have. Okay. So what's been your biggest surprise that uh, teaching, thing that really kind of surprised you or... Uh, something you thought, man, I didn't think I was going to have to do this, you know. Do you ever have anything that happens like that? Um, I would say the job in general has been a surprise, as in there's always one more thing to do, and you're never really ahead of the game, because you can always do one more thing to be ready for the next day. So, Do you get any uh, extracurricular activities like the lunchroom duty or bus duty? I don't have any this semester, but I'm sponsoring an after-school activity, so okay. that's taken up some time so far. Oh, that's good. Now, why the activity is that? That's is it Spanish club or something? No, it's the international club. The okay, German- good for you. So, and uh, what does that involve then? Um, we learn about different cultures, and I know in September we're going to the fiesta in downtown Indy. We're taking a bus of students down there. Okay. Uh, there's also a Chinese festival, I believe, we might be going to, mm-hmm. and we'll celebrate Day of the Dead as well as different holidays from around the world. Awesome. And I noticed that you're also going to have Guero Loco is going to be at your school in September, right? Yeah, he'll be there September 20th during our yeah. iPads, which is like we, a study. We've wrapped the variables and the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've already wrapped the alphabet with my students, so they're prepped for All him right, to come. they'll be ready. All right. You have to do some of the variables, too. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, I just talked to him a couple of days ago. Um, the uh, I think he's going to try to be go to Cuba in October. I believe it's plan us to go to Cuba for a little bit, and um, we we hopefully are going to have a teacher from Cuba, from Havana, is going to be here visiting us. You know, around Indianapolis area, Franklin College, and uh, hopefully Butler as well. 
and uh, also uh, your school, I think, Southport. Uh, he's going to yeah, Julian, just an incredible teacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you meet him, you'll think, whoa, you know, and he's been teaching for a while and he still has the passion, you know, I mean, he just still loves it and he gets so excited and he's a walking encyclopedia of everything Spanish, you mm -hmm. know, Jose Marti, uh, Musica, the baile, the salsa, all the things, you know, he's just he's this astounding guy. Uh, but hope you get him. Well, you will get a seat, of course. Yeah. And he's going to be here for the conference too, I think. And he's going to do a session with us uh, on our summer programs. Uh, so yeah, you'll get a seat. Are you going to be at the conference? I bet so. Yeah, I believe I'm presiding a session for um, well, Dan also. Okay, actually. good for you. Now, what's his session on? Do you know? Um, I don't remember exactly. I think um, drama, drama, and teaching literature, maybe. Okay, all right. Timmy, I don't quite remember, but... <laughs> okay, well, that sounds like it'll be fun, yeah. Um, well, listen, I, I'm going to run now here, and uh, um, it sounds like we our weather has calmed down a little bit. You know, we haven't blown away. We haven't been hit by a tornado, right? <laughs> so, our listeners didn't don't know that, but we, we did have major, major tornado warnings prior to our broadcast. But here we are, uh, and you, it, uh, you'd be, be interested to know that there are times when I've done the show when it has been 20 below zero, and we've had ice storms and everything else over the years, but never a tornado. This is a first. So, I mean, we were close to the, getting into this tornado business uh, too seriously almost. Uh, so thank you so much for being on the show, and um, if... Um, uh, uh, any advice you'd give for a beginning world language teacher, what would you say to them? Go in there every day with a smile on your face because the person that hired you knows you're a first-year teacher and knows you're going to make mistakes. So go in there and be a champion for your students. Okay, well, that's pretty good. That's, that's, that's awesome advice. And uh, we, it was an honor to have you be on our show. And... Uh, an honor to have you, it's a wonderful pleasure to have you being a first-year Spanish teacher in the state of Indiana, and uh, and all the influence you're going to have with your students is going to last forever. So uh, thank you again for being on the show, and uh, we're going to close out the show with uh, Alejandro Fernandez, Canto Corazon, and uh, all you people who've been listening here... Uh, uh, to the weather broadcast at the end of the show. <laughs> at the beginning, we did survive, and we thank you for being with us. Come back soon. We have, uh, uh, I think we're going to have in a couple, two or three weeks, some really, really interesting folks on our show that uh, you're going to be interested in hearing about. So uh, uh, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you later, and have a great night. Gracias por estar con nosotros. Connor, quiere decir algo para... Despedirte de, de los oyentes. Gracias por estar. Gracias. Muchas gracias por todo. Hombre, como habla, eh? muy bien. Y luego que pasen ustedes un día fenomenal y estaremos en contacto. Bye. Chao.
pasado por su casa, que ha venido porque quiere ser feliz. Canta corazón, que el amor de mi 